Hey, Sarah here. Summer is fast approaching, and here's what I propose. A relaxed and simple summer that offers just enough structure to keep those long, sticky days from melting into chaos, and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. Also, fairy tales. Lots of fairy tales. (laughs) I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer, and I would love for you to join me. Save your free seat at the workshop by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. See you there. You're listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that inspires you to build your family culture around books. Hey, 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 Sarah McKenzie here. You've got episode 47 of the Read Aloud Revival. Thank you so much for joining me today. It makes me so happy that you're here and listening. Look, we are wrapping up another 31-day Read Aloud challenge here at the Revival. It's been a fantastic month. I have so enjoyed watching your kids on Instagram and Facebook when you post pictures of them reading aloud every day. The challenge ends tomorrow, May 31st. So don't forget to register your kids to win some of our fabulous prizes by heading to rar31days.com and following the instructions there. If you want to get in on our very next 31-day challenge, we have another one coming. We'll be doing it again in October. So make sure you head to rar31days.com And pop your email into the page there if you're interested in being sent all the information and downloads and prize announcements and all that good stuff when we're getting ready for the October challenge. At The Revival, we're doing these 31-day read-aloud challenges every January, May, and October because they are completely transformational in the lives of the families who do them. We hear such amazing stories of kids who become fluent readers, who become lovers of books whose whole relationship with reading is transformed by the simple act of them reading aloud every day. If you want in on the fun, head to rar31days.com so you don't miss that. I had the enormous privilege of meeting today's guest a couple of times. Her name is Gail Ledbetter, and my kids and I got to meet her in Orlando, Florida last fall at an Institute for Excellence in Writing retreat. She is a writing instructor for the Institute, and I'm a huge fan of everything Andrew Putua there, the founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, does. I was speaking at the retreat, and I got to know Gail just a little bit while I was there. She is... Well, you're going to find out. She's just the kind of encouraging voice of experience that we all crave. And I found everything she said to be so uplifting and helpful. So Gail loves history and literature. And thankfully, I'm so glad she does because that interest led her to write a book on just that. Her book is Timeline of Classics, Historical Context for the Good and Great Books. And it's based on Gail's experience homeschooling her own kids and their beloved library trips to collect wonderful literature. It's a chronologically organized index of classics, biographies, and resources divided into four divisions, which, wow, divided into four divisions. Wow, I must have been writing that when I was tired. (laughs) (laughs) Divided into four parts, which may sound familiar to those of you who practice classical education. It's a wonderful resource because, 
as a smart mama, Gail organized this book to help educate kids of a variety of ages. We're going to dig into that in just a minute. Gail brings her background in elementary education, her experience as an online writing instructor with the Institute for Excellence in Writing, and her memories educating her own four kids on her grandparents' former dairy farm to us today. And I couldn't be happier to chat with her. So Gail, welcome to the Read Aloud Revival. It is so good to chat with you here. Why, Sarah, it is great hearing your voice again. Um, And it was good running into you a few days ago uh, in South Carolina at a convention again. (laughs) Yes, at the great homeschool conventions. That was fun. I kind of forgot that was the conference that you'd be at. And so I was so happily surprised when I got to give you a hug. (laughs) Yes. Well, I was happy one of my children got to meet you. Um, So, yep, you actually met my oldest. I have four children, girl, boy, girl, boy. And the one you met is now 25 years old. (laughs) So realize that. Okay. Yes. So our kids are getting old on us. They're 25, 21, 18, and 16. Wow. And I can tell you that time has gone way too fast. Oh, I bet. (laughs) Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your own homeschooling days. Did you always homeschool your kids or? Actually, I did. I had spent all of my adult life as a public school teacher. And so, you know, when I had my own family, I just wanted that privilege of teaching my own children how to read. And I started homeschooling and never stopped. (laughs) And so I've been a stay-at-home mom for well over 20 years now. And I've homeschooled all of them the entire way. Oldest one is out of college now, and we've got another one about to graduate from high school. So that'll leave me next year with just one more to go. (laughs) Yeah, and that's got to be a different dynamic from having four students to down to one. Well, it is. And, you know, they always need us no matter what's going on in their (laughs) lives. So, um, but even with that said, I always read out loud to my kids and I think it's kind of interesting that even my oldest son, he's 21, and my my 16-year-old son, they still, we still read together. People are coming and going, but there's always room for a Grimm's fairy tale or some funny Patrick McManus, you know, <laughs> chapter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I know one of the things you've mentioned before is that one of your favorite things in homeschooling were these big library trips with your kids. Tell us about those. Oh, yes. Well, I for about 17 years, I drove a 15-passenger van. <laughs> That's what I drive. <laughs> yes. I mean, you can't beat them for good camping trips and play dates and all that good stuff. But yeah, we would load up and go to the library. And any good mom, you know, you walk in there and there's so many choices. You just, I was, my kids were, you know, when they were little, it was pretty easy to find good stuff you know, to read with them. But as they got older, it just became a little unnerving to walk in there with all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, yeah. Be, mm-hmm. and so it got to a place where I thought, wow, I've got to do something to clarify what we're walking into when we walk into the library. And so I didn't actually get onto this idea of assembling a book list really until my oldest daughter entered high school or she was about to enter high school. And so it just occurred to me that I needed to keep a book list for her, you know, her reading list, but I really didn't have any way to really go about that. 
And so over time, I just, as I assembled her list of studies, you know, I thought, wow, well, I've got a high schooler who can, who is, you know, a high schooler, a middle school child, a elementary child who can read and a toddler who cannot read. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yet we wanted to use good quality, you know, literature, you know, good classics to drive our studies. And so it just turned into, okay, let's find something for everybody so that we can talk about World War I together, <laughs> you know, all at the same time. And I so- love that because that's been one of the struggles that I have. You know, a lot of homeschooling resources that are broken down by historical time period are really helpful, but they all, some of them assume, you know, a particular age, like all elementary school, which is, I understand why they do it. But as a homeschooling mom, it's very, it, requires a lot of legwork then for me to have to try to find things for my young students and find things for my high schooler. And I love the way you've organized your book list is in a way that makes it so your whole family has discussions and reading time together and has the same conversation, basically. It's having a conversation about the same time period together. Well, exactly. And you know, you'll have to remind me of the ages of your family, but it just, you know, where you are now is exactly where I was. <laughs> Yes. What is because my oldest is about to be a freshman in high school. So she's a, she's finishing eighth grade. And then we have a, so she's 14. We have a 12 year old, a 10 year old, a four and a half year old, and two and a half year old, 22 year old, two and a half year olds. So we have from my daughter who's about, we're about to start homeschooling her high school years, you know, to all the way down to toddler. Yes. Well, see, well, I am a twin, but I don't have twins. <laughs> oh, I didn't know you were a twin. <laughs> yes, I have a twin brother. But so it was a challenge, you know, to be able to go in and, you know, and really keep my wits about me, <laughs> you know, walking into a library. Yeah. So as I started finding resources for all of us to use, I just didn't want to have to work that hard for the next one in line. And so, I just started really one source at a time, just putting it down, what it was that we were using, whether it was audiobooks or, you know, of course, the classic literature that I was having my oldest daughter, you know, use, or just whatever we could find, picture books, you know, whatever we came across. And of course, we are huge fans of Jim Weiss. Oh, yes. Our good storytelling friend from Virginia. But Jim, I was actually, we've run into him a number of times over the years. And I said to him once, actually took him a a copy of Timeline of Classics because I wanted him to know that we had indexed all of his audio work inside of Timeline of Classics. Oh, Um, I didn't realize that. How cool. Yes. All of his stuff is in there. It's just one of those other good, wonderful resources that Any mom, you know, who found herself the way you and I have, you know, we want to pick good things and we want to use good quality stuff, whether it's an audio presentation like what Jim does or whether it's a movie, you know, that's been made over a piece of classic literature, I will say to hands down to kill a mockingbird with Gregory Peck, you know, you just my family by far, that's our all time favorite. But Jim said to me, when he took one look at this timeline of classics, he said, a pearl is formed out of a single grain of sand. And it can, you know, some 
be like a some type of irritation or some lack in our lives that cause us to take action and do something. <laughs> and yeah. I thought, you know, he's exactly right because I was irritated. <laughs> right. You didn't have something you needed. I didn't have a guide. Yes. And in fact, one of our very favorite books that we ever did was one of our first ones that we just loved. This, I'm sure my books look like some of yours. They are, you know, shop worn. They've been to, through the <laughs> ringer here at yeah. the house. They've got tear stains on them. That some of them have pool water, yep. <laughs> you know, water marks. <laughs> yes, exactly. But uh, this one book, I remember it was our all time favorite. And then the next time I went to this publisher's catalog, you know, to plan for the next year, they had taken this book out. <laughs> oh, sad. I was like, no. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So Jim Weiss, for our listeners, was on the Read Aloud Revival twice, way back at the very beginning, episodes four and five. In fact, that was an hour and 45 minute conversation originally. We just could not stop. It was so much fun. I (laughs) bet. Oh, I understand. So we ended up breaking it up into two podcasts and he gave us a lot of tips and tricks for reading aloud and then had so many words of encouragement for parents who are making time and space to share stories with their kids. And so if you're looking for those and would like to listen to him and find out why Gail loves him so much, and we all love him so much, head to readaloudrevival.com and click on episode four and episode five. A lot of parents get a little overwhelmed by the classics. I'm one of them. In fact, I did not read a ton of classics as a child, but I feel like a lot of parents feel the same way I do. A little overwhelmed, a little bit like we don't know where to start, maybe a little unworthy of sharing this with our children. So what are some things you've learned in your years studying the classics with your kids? Well, I, I have to say I was in the same boat, if not worse. As a child growing up, I really don't remember anyone reading to me, reading out loud. Certainly, I went to school. I did what I was supposed to do. And I, was, you know, I worked really hard in school, but I really I didn't read well. I wouldn't consider myself a good reader. I was very slow and I just comprehension, you know, how you fall asleep in a book and you don't remember what you just read. <laughs> well, that was me. So I, I think I mentioned I, I grew up on a farm. So, you know, there was so much to do outside that I just was rather, you know, I didn't want to stick my nose in a book and be in the house. I wanted to be outside, right? you know, where all the animals and all the activity was going on. So for me, I really did not get a fire lit under me about classic literature, really, until I was a schooling parent myself. Okay. Um, And so I, not in high school, not in college, you know, not even, well, I, I was a public school teacher, so I did read. Of course, I read to my students, but until I really got doing homeschooling with my own family, that is really when I got onto the whole idea of using you know, living real books, classic literature to teach, you know, history. And I thought, oh, wow, that's quite a thought. But, you know, I, of course, had no idea how to go about it until I got my hands on Teaching the Classics by Adam and Missy Andrews. Yay, another favorite from us here. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yes. 
Okay, so, so let me just interrupt for a second for our listeners. Sure. There's another episode you can listen to. Adam Andrews yeah. was my very second guest here at the Read Loud Revival, and he told us all about how you can ha- talk to your children about books, even if you don't feel very well-versed in literature yourself. And so you can listen to that one at readaloudrevival.com. Look for episode two with Adam Andrews. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I tell a story when I talk to moms. I am an exhibitor for excellence in writing, so I get to talk to a lot of folks, a lot of families, and I tell them, you know, if my house catches fire, I'm going to break the window, and there are two things that are going out first. <laughs> One is my teaching writing structure and style, you know, <laughs> uh, instruction, you know, teacher training course from IEW, and second, right behind it is teaching the classics by Adam Andrews. Oh, that's so you good. You know, seriously, because... You know, once you get the ideas that Adam and Missy have put forth in their course, it's so simple to pick up a children's book and recognize all the elements of fiction. You know, they're all there. In I would even back up and say, in Excellence in Writing, we do something called the story sequence chart or, you know, discussing narrative stories and then how to write about them. Because, you know, of course, we are all about composition. So those two things have really given me the how-to, you know, about how to go about writing, not only writing about literature, but discussing books with our kids and not being fearful of doing so. Okay. So you didn't actually read a lot of classics as a child either. So you've been sort of learning along with your children. Absolutely. Okay. So tell me why you studied history chronologically with your kids. Well, I would say I not necessarily did I study history chronologically with them. However, if you walk in my house, you'll see all of my bookcases are arranged chronologically. <laughs> oh, are they really? That is so they impressive. Are. I have to tell you, I have shelves, you know, how we all are. We have so many books in our home, but they're mm-hmm. all the shelves are arranged chronologically. And really, that's just so we can find things. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, yes. But, you know, I'm not the first one. I've, I've talked to lots of people who do that. But for me, not only did I not read a lot, you know, growing up, but I had absolutely no concept of history. Really and truly, I didn't understand, you know, when the Romans occurred, who, who was first, the Vikings, you know, it was all a jumble in my head. And so I would say I didn't necessarily teach history chronologically as much as I wanted to have a resource that gave us a point of reference to when things happened in history. I see. Got and it. So, yeah. So placing that high schoolers um, book list in chronological order, that just filled a need for myself, really, for filling in my ignorance. <laughs> Well, I like that because we actually don't really study history completely chronologically. Some some years it works out a little more chronological than others. But I do find myself in a time period of history and needing a good book list for that particular time period. So Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's that was us. You know, we started this whole project when we were working through American history. And I literally had a friend come over to visit once and she was in my schoolroom and saw, you know, some, you know, how we all know through our friends stuff to see what they have, if there's something that we need, you know, (laughs) there's nothing more fun for a homeschooling mom either than being at another homeschooling mom's house and being able to like dig through her curriculum shelves. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Yeah. How do you like this? So 
really, I had a friend over one day and she saw this thing on my table and she said, Gail, what is this? Where did you get it? And I want one. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, well, it's a book list. I made it and I'll make you a copy. (laughs) That's my answer. I love it. And so, you know, I literally, that's where it started. And she is the one who persisted. I was like, you know, I'll make you a copy. And she said, no, no, I mean, you need to share this. You need to do something with this and publish it. And I was like, you're kidding. I don't have time for that. You know, of course. (laughs) So, but she really, she really encouraged me to, she said, if I found this and I need it and you've made it because you need it. Imagine how many more people (laughs) it may be useful. So I just kept going until we made our way through all of modern history. And then we went back (laughs) to the ancients and made our way back through Renaissance and Reformation and just kind of made full circle. But yeah, this project was more about making a framework for history through the classic literature. That's really where it started. I love it. Okay. So explain for our listeners, it's not just a book list. There's other resources and and explanations inside. So let's talk about those. Sure. Well, as I said, we often would go to the library and, you know, I had the master list of, you know, of what we were working on. Uh, Has it, you know, however much of it we had done at that time. And so I would, you know, have pre-selected a few titles of classic literature, say, if we were studying World War One or whatever it might be, then I would already had a few things that in mind that I was going to check out from the library. But I would say to the kids, you know, they all had a library card, and I said, "Okay, we're we're working on World War One. Go see what you can find, <laughs> and just let them loose." And I tell you, we it's a good thing we drove a fifteen passenger van because <laughs> needed all the goodness, extra room for books. <laughs> we had so much. We would come home with so much stuff. But literally, our resource is divided. Every piece of information in here, every resource that's here, it is indicated whether it's useful for a high school student, a middle school student, or an elementary, or all the above. So there's a designation on there. So we might find reference materials. We might find not only books, you know, that were classic literature, but there was a, I'm looking through the actual book right now to see if I can find a sample for you. But as I said, we have put Jim Weiss, we've indexed his work in here, his audio work. We've also indexed another of our favorite audio persons, which is Jim Hodges. He recorded all of the G.H., sorry, G.A. Henty books, those historical fiction. So Mm -hmm. all of that is in there. I mentioned movies. Those are in there. And there's another resource. I have to say, I was pretty well trying to make life as easy as I possibly could for a mom in in our situation, you know, with a house full of kids, trying to not split our brain too badly, <laughs> you know, but study together. So I found another resource that I also indexed within Timeline of Classics, and it's something called Compact Classics. Oh, I've never heard um, of that. Yeah, these are, you may have heard of the the second name that they were published under. It was called 
The Great American Bathroom Book. Oh, hilarious. Okay. (laughs) The Great American Bathroom Book. But really, what they are, compact classics, there are three volumes of these books. And literally, the idea is that in a two-page summary, you could look at, like, I have all three of these volumes, and they are falling to pieces. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My family, we kids used to fight over these things. But literally, I just opened the page to Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens. And so on two pages here, you have a, an entire quick list of the characters, you know, the setting. Oh, helpful. Okay. A, a brief story overview. And, you know, just on two pages. So if you're like me and you get all of your Shakespeare confused, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. characters and plot and all of that, this was just a very helpful thing for me, not only as a a schooling parent, but also as a teacher. So Compact Classics, if you, in our resource timeline of classics, if you see a reference underneath a title to Compact Classics, then it tells you exactly which volume and what page number it comes on. So I was trying to make my life easy and not have to go you know, search and go, which one of these books was that in, you know? Yeah, that's fantastic. So that's another helpful thing that was in there. So we'll get back to the show in just a minute. At the beginning of today's episode, I mentioned that what I propose for this summer is a relaxed and simple plan that offers just enough structure to keep your days from melting into chaos and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. And what summer wouldn't be much, much better with a whole bunch of fairy tales? Well, I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer, and here's what we're going to talk about. First, how reading fairy tales can make your summer easier. Yes, easier. We want to take things off your plate this summer, not put more on, right? (laughs) Fairy tales can make your summer easier and more fun. I'm also going to share the fairy tales I recommend for every age and the tippy top thing you can do to make sure your kids make delightful memories this summer. It is way less work and way less pressure than you think. The free workshop is happening live online on May 7th, 2024, and you can save your free seat by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. And yes, there's a replay, so make sure you register even if you can't join us live on May 7th. Again, text the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. showed me briefly at the convention, you were showing me the reader response journaling. And I was so excited when you were describing this. So I know it's kind of hard to describe without being able to show people on an audio podcast, but let's give it a whirl because I think people will be really interested. Absolutely. Well, over time, I have been a co-op teacher and I've also taught online. And in my literary analysis classes, we would literally just take a 50 cent little composition book you know, from Target. And that was what we used to be, I don't, I guess you could call it a commonplace book Mm -hmm. or just a journal to journal about literature. 
And so we had a system of journaling that was very simple. It was very easy to do. I later, I had done it for years with my own kids at home, but didn't realize that really was a thing, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I've heard it called a dialectical journal or a reader response journal, but basically in a nutshell, it's a way to, to do vocabulary study. If you're going through a book like Oliver Twist or anything by Charles Dickens or Mark Twain, any number of these classic authors that we all love, you're going to wear yourself out looking up vocabulary. Yeah, words. exactly. Total, that's exactly true. <laughs> yeah. So I just trained my kids and my students, you know, to do vocabulary study. We at IEW teach a study skill called keyword outlining. And that's another thing we were able to incorporate into these reader response journals is simply a telling back, similar to what you would do like along the Charlotte Mason narration idea okay. of telling back what you just read in mm-hmm. a chapter. So on one page, really a one page spread in our notebook, we would have vocabulary, we would have a just a quickie retelling or narration. <laughs> of this chapter right there in keyword outline form. And then I would also have my students look for what we call notable quotes and literary devices. <laughs> so as I had would ever start a, a literary analysis class, we would go through the teaching the classics, the Adam Andrews ideas of, you know, what are literary devices and how are they used and how effective they are on us as the reader and how these awesome classic authors are such masters at using those. So, you know, my students would pick out as they're reading, they've got to find these things, you know, in their reading. And so this journal really is just a way to make them slow down, teach them to annotate a book and to really, really enjoy the wonderful words that were put forth, you know, because so many times we can just fly through a book and, you know, read for speed. You know, these books of classic literature, they are not meant to be taken so fast. Mm. It's different than the other kind of reading that our kids do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We have, I will also mention, I do have a website for Timeline of Classics. I actually had this up long ago before I really even knew about excellence in writing. So I'm in the process of changing it over all to a, a new format. So yes, timelineofclassics.com. We have I didn't know that. Even, okay. Yes. We have even more information there, more specific to the product or the project of Timeline of Classics. Perfect. Yeah. Timelineofclassics.com. Perfect. Okay. So tell us some of your family's favorite read alouds, books that you all shared together when they were younger. Your kids were Okay. Well, definitely when they were young, we, you know, we shared a lot from fairy tales, Hans Christian Andersen, The Grimm. And it's kind of fun that my kids have come full circle and that's still what they like for me to read with them. But, you know, we always had our, you know, where the red fern grows mm-hmm. and we got into, as they grew older, we got into more of the Mark Twain's and, you know, the Adventures of Tom Sawyer, of course, The Prince and the Pauper. But I made mention earlier that recently one of my parents was in the hospital 
And so on Easter Sunday, I took my 18-year-old daughter with me to go to the hospital to go visit. And I found it very interesting. She grabbed a book off the shelf because she wanted to read to her grandma in the hospital. Oh, yes. And so I thought it was very interesting. She grabbed The Farmer Boy by Laura Ingalls Wilder. I mentioned that I have four children, two boys and two girls. Well, my kids, when they were young, were often drawn to any book that had four kids in it. (laughs) Oh, yes. 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 I see my kids being attracted to, in fact, we have at the Read Aloud Revival book list, Read Aloud book list, we have a whole category for kids who are in big families. And that was born out of the fact that my children love (laughs) reading books about kids with lots of other, you know, older kids that have to take care of toddlers and have to help just the big family life dynamic, because of course they want to relate to other kids who are like them. Well, exactly. And so as my kids were growing up, a lot of the time they enjoyed the boxcar children. You know, there were four kids, you know, two boys, two girls. And in this farmer boy story, this is the story of Monzo Wilder, who, you know, later became Laura's husband. But in this story, their parents had left home for a week And the four kids had to take care of the home, you know, the animals, all of the chores, everything. And it was very fun because this is just a hilarious chapter. It's called Keeping House. And my daughter read this to my parents in the hospital and they were in stitches, (laughs) just literally. And, you know, often there would be nurses stopping by looking in. Oh, I love it. I think we're on a heart ward in a hospital and there are people stopping going, why are you laughing? Oh, that's too great. Oh my so, goodness. yeah. So we, you know, we always had our favorites. One of our favorite things to do, I've mentioned a few times we live on a farm. So there are always chores. So as often as possible, we would have books on tape so that we could keep whatever we were having to do that we could, you know, listen to the story and keep talking and, you know, stop and rewind or whatever. So once we had a chore that had to be done, it took forever to do, which was to stain the porch around our farmhouse. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So this porch goes all the way around the entire house. And so we were on like the tallest part of the whole thing. We are you know, we've got scaffolding in the back of a pickup truck. We're like 20, 30 feet off the ground. <laughs> oh my word. And so we're listening to Tarzan of the Apes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I love it. And so the CD player messed up about halfway through. And, you know, of course, we're not done with our work yet. So my youngest child, he runs and grabs a yard chair, you know, a lawn chair. He, he picks up the book and he's and he definitely volunteers to be the one to read aloud. Oh, yes, because the one who reads aloud does not have to do the staining, right? Yes, he didn't have to do the work. So, Oh, that's too great. So, yeah, we, we definitely have our favorites. You know, To Kill a Mockingbird, that one's definitely at the top. And, you know, I have girls too, so... Anything by Jane Austen, you know, is going to be in the top of their favorites list. And you read aloud to them. You do you still, you said you have a 16 year old and an 18 year old still at home, right? So do you still read to them? I try as hard as I can, you know, once they are out and once they get jobs and they're out working and being social. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it gets very difficult. But yes, we still do as much as possible and we still share a movie night every now and again. And so 
it's so fun once they get older, when you know you've given them a literary education, Mm -hmm. you know, as best you can in their young ages. My sons were watching one of the last, I think, Batman movies that came out in recent years. And there was a a scene at the end and it was like at a, a cemetery. And they took one look at me because the quote that was being said at the eulogy was straight from the the final scene of which book was it? A Tale of Two Cities. Okay. And my boys took one look at me and they went, we know where that's from. Oh, that's so, I love it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah who would have thought? Yeah. yeah. Charles Dickens and Batman. You yeah, know? right. Exactly. <laughs> you just never know when they're going to make those connections. What I love about that is because you never really know when your kids are out of your home and they're living their adult lives, you never know what's going to trigger that memory of a book that you shared with your kids or a book that they read during their childhood. Well, that is exactly true. Many years ago, I had first, when I first had, I guess, the first prototype, as you would say, of Timeline of Classics, I was out at a, a small convention and I was giving a workshop and I was excited. This is my first time to get to share, you know, timeline of classics. And I opened a book and started to read a quote. And it was just to introduce my talk. And I had no idea of the power of that this literature had had over me and the memories, you know, with my children. And I started weeping just about, you know, because it was so special. But this was, you know, one of the very first books that we read together, you know, talking about the Oregon Trail and Westward Expansion. And to this day, this book is still very dear to us. But yeah, who knew? What book is it? (laughs) It's called Patty Reed's Doll. Oh, I didn't know that one. The Story of the Donner Party. It's by Rachel Largard. And it is, oh, it's, it's not a very huge book, but it was one of those, you know, favorites that we read early on when we were first, or I definitely remember having a toddler in little swimmies, what are those little things, water wings, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those books that has splashes from the pool. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, we yeah. listened to the audiobooks, the Little House on the Prairie audiobook series read by Cherry Jones on when my kids were four, six, and eight, and we moved to the other side of the state. And we were doing a lot of back and forth. We were finding a house and kind of coming back and forth. And every time it's a six or seven hour drive from where we used to live to where we are now. And so every time we were in the car, we were listening. And my oldest is that that was eight years. Well, it was eight years ago. No, it would have been six years ago. So it hasn't even been that long, but it still makes me nostalgic when I hear Terry Jones reading (laughs) for when my older kids were younger. I can only imagine I'm going to be a a wreck when my kids are like, you know, 15 years, 20 years from now. (laughs) And I hear these audiobooks again. Because they really do. I can picture, you know, Washington State out my car window. I can remember funny things my kids would say and just brings back this flood of memories. So it's really a gift, isn't it, to be able to share it, these kids and, or share these books with our kids and make these kinds of memories. Well, absolutely. I will say, I will make another reference back to Jim Weiss. We had, there were some books that I just, you know, I thought, am I going to, am I going to really do this with my children or am I going to just you know, shy away from this book because there was one that I had just vowed to myself I would never read to my kids, and that was Frankenstein. 
by Mary Shelley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, um, I think I'm just going to pass on that one. Yeah. But I am a big fan of, you know, previewing a book before I cover it with my children or, you know, let them listen to it. So I picked up an audio version at our library, you know, there again, and got home, you know, we're driving home and we stick it in the CD player of the van and it's Jim Weiss. Oh my goodness. It's him. You know, he was the one reading this book. And so I thought, well, if it's worthy of his time, it's most definitely worthy of mine. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, it's so funny how the connections, you remember where you were, you almost remember what your kids, you know, how small they felt in your lap, you know, when you're, they were little, you know, you're reading with them, you know, all these things matter. They really matter. So good. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Now, before we go, I have one last, I just want to ask you for one last thing. What, if you could just tell our listeners, anyone who might still be feeling a little bit nervous about diving into classics or a little bit intimidated, maybe just they feel like they're just getting started on the journey of reading with their kids, you know, reading even harder books or different books than they read as children. What kind of one little bit of a nugget do you want them to take home today? Well, I would say it's never too late you know, just get started really and truly. If you just take the next step. I love that. Just take the next step, no matter where you are. So good. Right. Thank you so much, Gail. And we all are so appreciative of your work and we'll have links to everything in the show notes. So if you are wondering about any of the books that Gail mentioned, either the literature books she read with her kids or any of the resources that she recommends, they'll all be in the show notes. So head to readaloudrevival.com and click on episode 47. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. My name is Ella. I live in Montana. I am five years old. My favorite book to read aloud is Laura and Mary, The Little House Books. What what do you like about The Little House Books? The dugout and how the kids can climb up the roof. My name is Bennett. I am four years old. I live in Montana. My favorite book that Mommy reads to me is Older Laura Mary books because of Laura. G'day. I am from Bone Buttercup, Australia. My name is Thomas. I am six. My favorite read aloud is The Green Ember. My favorite invention is Picket and home. Hi, I'm Xavier and I'm from Minnesota and I'm five years old. My favorite book is The Wizard of Oz and my favorite part is when she throws water at the witch. And wolves came and the Tim Man hits them with his axe. Hi, my name is Julia. And I am seven years old. I live in Texas. And my favorite book is the Bible. But 
I have read it to myself. I read it a lot, and I just really enjoy it. And I also enjoy the Boxcar Children series. But my most favorite book is the Bible. Hi, my name is Judah, and I'm six years old. I live in Texas, and my favorite book is Tom Tom and Nutmeg, and I like it because the general has a lot of adventures. He forgets about his wife, and also I like it because there's Arthur and Lucy, and Arthur sometimes he. Has good ideas, and Lucy, I like the way she talks. Hi, my name is Simon, and I'm four years old, and I live at Texas. And my favorite book is The Seven Silly Eaters. And why do you like it? Because it's silly, and I like how the people. I like what way the people talk, and I like their names. And and I'm five years old, and I'm gonna and I live in California, and I'm gonna say my favorite book is The Princess Who Never Laughed. It's because at the end, she Goofy tries to hold the cow, and she really laughs the hardest. My name is Damian, and I live in Missouri. And my favorite book is Two Towers. The second book. In the Lord of the Rings, and I like it because it's adventurous and exciting and intense. Lots of messages today. I love those. Keep them coming, kids. I love this part of the show, and I get so excited when I can put so many of your "Let the Kids Speak" messages here on air. Everybody loves to hear what your kids are reading. So if your kids want to participate, head to readaloudrevival.com, scroll to the bottom of that page, and leave your message there. It's easy and quick, and we love it when you do. We've got good things happening at the Revival all summer long, so be sure you don't miss out on any of our outstanding authors we'll be hosting at author access events like Andrew Clements. He's the author of Frindle. That's a family favorite around here. So funny. And I saw someone on Instagram had taken my recommendation to read it and said all of her kids loved it. So fun. Jennifer Holm is going to be here this summer. She's the writer of Our Only May Amelia, which we loved, and the very beloved Baby Mouse graphic novel series. If you don't know them, you should probably peek at them and see what you think. Your kids will probably love them, among several others. She's going to be on as well, and a few others, a few other authors. So we've got a summer full of authors to inspire your kids. We also have a brand new masterclass we're offering called Ancients to Zoology, Teaching History and Science Through Story, taught by none other than Pam Barnhill. So it's going to be a good summer and you'll be kept up to date on all the good things happening at The Revival. If you sign up for our emails, they go out every Tuesday morning and they keep you in the know. So head to readaloudrevival.com and pop your email into the page there so you don't miss out. That's all she wrote for today. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, friends. Go build your family culture around books. Thank you.